What's up? Back again. Hope you guys uh, had a good Monday. Sometimes it could be rough. You know, Mondays aren't always easy. Okay. Sometimes they could be good. I could be wrong. Alright. But, uh... Here we go. Sad story. And, um... We definitely need to, uh... To, um... Tighten up with these immigration laws. Let's get into it. Hard Talk Radio, live in 4K. She already had one kid out of wedlock. Then she had another one. All right. Women have to be extremely careful when it comes to these time, these type of things, because women could end up losing their lives picking the wrong man to get impregnated by. Men, we suck it up, and we could sometimes we could bounce back. All right, but women, there's a chance that you may never bounce back. Okay, the consequences are always higher for a woman when it comes to relationships than a man at times. And I was schizophrenic on meds, and he would use that as an excuse for his. You guys knew he was a schizophrenic on meds. Why didn't you just force your daughter to like, yo, end that relationship? Period. End it. supposed to do that on those kind of medications. The family confirms what I learned from law enforcement sources yesterday. The Solano had been violent with Karina and she got a restraining order against him in April, but continued to interact with him. And if there's somebody out there abusing your daughter, don't, take don't no. let it go. Don't take no for an answer. You will I feel responsible no matter what anyone says. And you're too big. The day before the murder, Snapchat messages between the couple got very contentious. I obtained more than a dozen, most with language too explicit to show here. She threatens to tell the world about his rape conviction involving a minor. 
Rafa calls her snitch lip and warns her, F around and find out. Karina fires back. You want to put a target on my back? Your homie's going to know the real you and threatens to expose his sexual relationship with another man. She added. <sighs> this is where she messed up. Okay. You already dated a guy who's a sex offender. <sighs> All right. You date a guy who's a sex offender. You know about, you know, too much dirt. This is where she messed up. You ready? You in deep? She should have just. Oh man, she she should have just like took that L, and be like, you know what? Um. I have a straining order against you. Your visitation. That's it. You are not. You know. That's it. Don't bring this up about him with another man and stuff like that because he already schizophrenic. She, see, the thing is, like, we have to look at the signs, man. So, so many times we look, we don't look at the red flags until it's too late. She probably knew he had a mental condition. He probably tried to make her feel sorry for him. Oh, man. It's sad, man. Oh. <clears throat> but you do not do. You threaten that man to expose him. First dirty laundry. Get this man arrested and be done with it. Put hands on you. Get him arrested. That's dude. Go ahead and try and take me out. Just hours later, they had a confrontation in the street outside her apartment. Her daughter's safely inside. He got really mad. Went to the trunk of his car, pulled out whatever it was, and killed her right there behind her car. Stunned neighbors saw it play out. Chappelle Thorborn saw the gruesome aftermath. The head was underneath the car, and she was laying in the back of the car. Just severed, and then they covered her up. Karina's family told me they learned about the killing yesterday evening through media reports. Her father rushed to the scene and saw the fire department spraying down the blood on the street. When the deputy walked up, he would not confirm who it was, but I said, she owned that black Volkswagen. And he said, yeah, that's her car. I said, that's my daughter. Social workers had already taken the girls. Danielle and Marty want them as soon as possible, but CPS said they'd have to go through the application process. Now I want those girls. That's what I want first. And I want Rafa to I want, fry in jail. I don't I want, care what happens to him. He, he's definitely going to fry in jail. He, he, men don't like it when you hurt women and kids. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. Uh... It's kind of, this is kind of touchy, man. Kind of touchy for me, but it, it's... You got to look at those signs, man. You got to look at those signs. Okay? Because this, 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 this ain't no game, man. It is not a game. But this right here is just worse. Chicago is a hellhole. And it has just gotten worse for Chicago. You're about to you're about to see why. You are about to see why. I could all I could do is advise people to get out of the cities. Get out of Chicago. Get out of the cities. If you can. Let's take a look at this. Hard talk radio. Live in 4K. It's 
about to be GTA. Literally, real live GTA on steroids. That's what it's about to be. Unbelievable. Did you hear that? Someone could squat in your home. You call the police. All you could give them is a ticket. And they could still stay there. This is crazy. People are going to have to learn to protect themselves. If you're, not, if you're not into guns, then pray to God. It's getting crazy. I want to remind voters that several officials that will be on the ballot in Orland Park voted for this abomination. Senator Michael Hastings, Senator Emile Jones, and Representative Justin Slaughter all voted to put criminals ahead of the safety of law-abiding citizens and police. In particular, Senator Hastings, who personally told me that this, that this bill, that he had a family, and that this bill was horrible, and there was no way he would vote for it. An outright, an outright lie that, in my opinion, disqualifies him to hold his office. I will gladly cast my vote for the re- for this resolution and demand the repeal of the Orwellian named safety. I really do truly believe I really truly believe now that the Democrats are just playing their part. Everybody got a script to play. Republicans got their script, the Democrats got their script. The Democrats are right now just doing massive destruction. It's just a wrecking crew. They're just this big, giant wrecking crew party. They just You just don't see them with the construction hats. And the hammer is just beating into the cities like they're sheetrock. Just beating into them, destroying everything. That's all they are. They're just the wrecking crew. That's what they're doing. This past summer, Governor J.B. Pritzker, Pritzker claimed Illinois is leading the way in addressing the war on drugs as no state has before. In reality, with his signature on the misnamed Safety Act, Pritzker and his legislative partners have opened up Illinois to drug cartels, traffickers like never before. Included in um, 
Pritzker's crime bill is a ticking time bomb to set off at the start of next year that will have serious ramifications for law-abiding citizens and give drug cartels free reign in Illinois. The elimination of cash bail, which will begin January 1st, will have wide-ranging consequences throughout our criminal justice system. With the elimination of cash bail, criminal suspects will be detained before trial only in the case of forcible felonies that are non-probational or unless they are considered a flight risk or a danger to someone in the community. Many violent crimes, including robbery, vehicular invasion, driving under the influence, causing death, and second-degree murder, do not qualify under this law. This is a policy, a horrible slap in the face of the, to victims and neighborhoods desperately seeking safety. So how does this affect the war on drugs under Pritzker's Safety Act? It pos it's possible drug kingpins, smugglers, traffickers, or distributors of illegal drugs won't be detained before trial, no matter the quantity of deadly substances that are uh, they are accused of possessing. Astonishingly, Pritzker and the Democrats don't seem to behave to believe there is a connection between drug dealers, street gangs, cartels, and the gun violence our state sees daily. For decades, sales of drugs brought into Chicago by cartels have fueled gang wars, and once a smuggler finds a route that works, they will use it for other illicit trades such as guns, counterfeit products, and even human trafficking. I know this firsthand, having served as a special prosecutor in the Cook County State's Attorney's Narcotics Bureau. Large-scale drug busts are often the result of joint task force operations throughout the state. Last December, Deep Pouch and Kane counties performed a traffic stop that discovered more than 900 grams of cocaine, between 15 and 100 grams of fentanyl. A $500,000 bond was set for the trafficking suspect to ensure the person would appear in court. The scenario plays out weekly and monthly throughout Illinois. <clears throat> Those drugs are the lifeblood of the street gangs that have destroyed families, terrorized neighborhoods in Illinois. Starting January 1st, those accused of being large-scale smugglers, traffickers, or distributors may end up not being detained or subject to a bond hearing. Sus suspected street gang and cartel members could be released immediately. The courts will have to tell them to follow the honor system and attend their next scheduled appearance. What are the chances of that? You basically trust in their good faith. This is crazy. What's up, Eric D. Jessup? In addition, if they don't show up the court has given them another opportunity to appear before issuing a warrant. This catch and release policy will not make our streets and borders safer. Instead, it will perpetuate the trade of drugs and, and drug dealers. <clears throat> the I'm sorry, the trade of gangs and drug dealers. When Prisker talks about combating the war on drugs, know that the actual fighting won't start till January 1st. So all you people out there, I hope you guys either going to move out of Illinois. I don't know what you're going to do, but this is uh, some serious stuff. It's like The Purge. They're literally trying to start The Purge. I don't know if any of you have seen the movie The Purge. It seems just like that. It really does. And it's insane. Alright, so uh, in today's madness, let's see what another mayor, oh, it, it's sad man, because these are 
black people that are mayors and they are just destroying and ripping off people left and right. Uh, man, it's embarrassing, man. It's just, it's just embarrassing. It really is. Anyway, let's get into it. Hard Talk Radio Live in 4K. Roll this beautiful bean footage. Well, not so beautiful bean footage. Whether or not New Orleans Mayor LaToya Cantrell needs to reimburse the city for first-class travel upgrades may come down to who she works for. Good evening, everyone, and thanks for watching. I'm Katie Moore. And I'm Sherry Skipson. The city travel policy is that city employees must buy the lowest airfare available or pay the difference if they elect to travel another section. And Paul Murphy reports, the legal question now is, does the policy apply to elected officials, such as the mayor? A defiant New Orleans Mayor LaToya Cantrell is refusing to pay the city roughly $29,000 she charged this year to upgrade her city air travel to business in first class. Remind, let me remind you, this is the same Mayor Cantrell when uh, carjackers tried to jack a woman's car. She let the car, she didn't discipline the carjackers. She was on their side. Yo, try to get out of these blue states. That's all I could tell you. They're going to hell. Expenses incurred doing business on behalf of the city of New Orleans will not be reimbursed to the city of New Orleans. One thing is clear. I do my job, and I will continue to do it with distinction, with dignity, and integrity. Every wow, she took your money. She's not going to pay it back. When it comes up for re-election... Make sure she doesn't get it. Make sure she doesn't get it. That's it. This woman is crazy. Make sure she does not get it. That's how you deal with people who are, you know, abuse their power in office. The election comes up, vote them out. Can't say much about presidents, but elected officials like this, get her out. states employees are required to purchase the lowest airfare available and that employees who choose to upgrade from coach economy or business class flights are solely responsible for the difference in cost the policy also states any reconciliation of travel expenses that results in overpayment by the city requires that the employee reimburse the city within 20 business days. Well, the policy of the city of New Orleans says that employees, if they decide to fly first class as opposed to the lower fare, they have to reimburse the city. The mayor listed the city of New Orleans as her employer on her financial disclosure form. But New Orleans attorney and legal analyst Tim Mesh says that doesn't necessarily make her a city employee subject to the travel policy. But the issue is traditionally what have mayors of municipalities been considered? And in just about all the circumstances, they're not considered to be employees. City Council President Helena Moreno says she is now seeking legal opinions from both the city attorney and the council's attorney as to whether the travel policy applies to the mayor and if she has to reimburse the city for her travel upgrades. Paul Murphy, Eyewitness News. The audacity and the goal of this woman. I mean, it should be by now, they, they need to get rid of her. 
They need to get rid of her. Okay? It, it's about time. Alright? She basically doesn't care about, you know, your well-being. And she's taking your money, disobeying the rules, and not willing to pay the difference. Okay? New Orleans Democrat mayor has declared economic class, economy class flights unsafe for black women. While insisting she won't repay the 30000 of taxpayer money blown on first-class flights to France and Switzerland. Speaking at a press conference Thursday, Latoya Cantrell said, My travel accommodations are a matter of safety, not luxury. Eric, what? No, 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 no. As all women know, our health and safety are often disregarded and we are left to navigate alone. As the mother of a young child whom I live for, I am going to protect myself by any reasonable means in order to ensure that I that I am there to see her grow into a strong woman I'm raising her to be. I, I'm afraid what type of morals you're teaching your daughter, okay? And if you want to go to France and Switzerland, pay it on your own dime, okay? She has repeatedly refused to repay the cost of a luxury airline, American Airlines flight from Washington Duels Airport to Switzerland for herself in July. For herself. Despite a city ban on luxury air travel, Cantrell spent around 10000 on her own flatbed seat and blew a similar amount on a first-class return to France earlier this year while her aides travel in coach. How does that look that your aides travel in coach but you're getting the flying high in the hog? Cantrell has defended her purchase of the luxury tickets as both doing business on behalf of the city and because she believes it wouldn't be safe for her to travel in economy class. Is it because of the your reputation? Maybe that's what it is because you're a lousy mayor? Maybe that's what, what it is. While the mayor sat in first class, her team, including security detail, were seated in, the, in coach. Wait a minute. Your security detail should be with you in first class. That doesn't make any sense. You're lying. You guys, you know, however she got in office, fix it and make sure nobody like her gets in there again. The chief administrative officer has revealed how the law department is still examining whether Cantrell must reimburse 30000 in taxpayer money for first class tickets to France and Switzerland. The mayor had extremely prickly response when questioned by journalists on Thursday as to whether she was considering working out to replenish city coffers. All expenses incurred during business on behalf of the city of New Orleans will not be reimbursed to the city of New Orleans. Mayor Cantrell said outside the Knicks library. One thing is clear, I do. you do not do your job. You do not do your job. A woman complained that she was carjacked and you did nothing. You did nothing. Okay? And it's sad, all these democratic cities with black leaders, it's like they are given one job, let the city go to pot. Like I said, this, these democratic republican parties is just plantations, and they have different jobs for what, depending on what plantation you are on as a black person. You are to make sure the city goes straight to pot. That's your job. Or if you're a republican, you are to be a puppet and say the things that we white people can't say. That's it. It's definitely it, man. That's how I see it. J. 
just puppets. And the goal of that woman to say she was not going to pay you guys back. The goal. Anyway, imagine if you're just a plumber and this happens. Just imagine. You are a plumber. Just doing your job. and You know, this happens. Let's take a look. Small business owner in Oakland is concerned for his workers' safety after they were robbed at gunpoint twice in recent weeks. Each time it happened while crews were working at a job site. KTVU's Amber Lee live tonight. And Amber, you spoke with one of the workers who was robbed. That's right. The worker and the owner tell me the robbery was traumatic and they feel helpless. The most recent incident took place yesterday morning and the crime was caught on camera. Surveillance video of an armed robbery. Two thieves walk up to a plumbing crew working in Oakland's Laurel District Tuesday morning around 9:15. It's uh, hurtful, uh, traumatizing. Ignacio Becerra, owner of Oakland Rooter and Plumbing, says this is not the first time his workers have been robbed. Twice in a matter of three weeks, but this year we've had three vans stolen, equipment. Thousands of dollars of equipment taken from us. This time, one thief grabs plumbing equipment and runs to the getaway car. And shortly after, a thief opens one of the work vans and steals tools. That one happens pretty, pretty fast. It was pretty quick. Jose, one of the three workers on site, asked us not to show his face. He says two thieves walked up to him in the driveway and the one armed with a gun approached him. He says, like, don't say nothing and don't do nothing or I will kill you right now. I just got scared. Jose says the thieves wore face masks, black hoodies, and black jeans, and that the thief armed with a gun spoke English with a Central American accent, and he wore black and red Nike tennis shoes. Last night when I got home, I can still see his face, and I, will, uh, I mean, it's just like, yeah. Think you can identify him even with the mask on? Oh yeah, of course. The robbery took place in the driveway of Gilbert Chin's home. The plumbing technicians were there to repair a sewage line. Chin was inside his home at the time of the robbery, but his surveillance camera captured what happened. I've here, been here for 31 years, and I'm very, very comfortable here. I mean, we got to do something about the crime. This is the real, uh, has the camera in the lens. Becerra shows me the expensive sewer camera system that was stolen. He says this equipment alone cost $20,000. He estimates that the loss from the armed robberies and the stolen vans adds up to $100,000. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get killed us as field techs or them as, as the thieves. To prevent theft, the owner has removed logos from his vehicles and added extra locks, but that none of these measures could have prevented the armed robberies. He's asking city leaders to do more to protect small businesses. It's going to be hard to, to you know, businesses are going to shut down. It really is going to have to be like the wild, wild west because people are going to, businesses are going to have to arm themselves because they got to eat. They can't afford to go out of business. Every business cannot afford to go out of business. So it's going to be a standoff, man. Sooner or later, people are going to end up, you know, they're going to end up trying to take the law into their own hands. It's going to have to be that way because everybody can't shut down a business can't do it 
It's just isn't possible. People are going to have to fight for themselves. So it's just definitely what's going to happen. Okay, let's check out what's happening with the uh, Los, Ange- Los Angeles Sheriff's Department. Let's check out what's going on, going on with these, uh, these females. Let's see what's going on. County Sheriff's Department is investigating two of their own deputies for an alleged scheme involving weapons and concealed carry gun permits. The two female deputies are part of Sheriff Villanueva's inner circle. ABC Josh Haskell has the story. Sheriff deputies and federal agents serving a search warrant in Murray Park Friday. Alex Oliveira, if you know about the jump out boys and the white supremacy going on in the L.A. Sheriff's Department for 50 years, look into that. All right. He's the one in charge. He's the one with a lot of uh, allegations of corruption, allegations of gang affiliation within the L.A. Sheriff's Department, the wayside whiteys, the jump out boys, the banditos. Okay. Um, The executioners. And it's a lot. Look it up. Look it up. In last month, the search warrant is connected to two female deputies who were relieved of duty Thursday. Deputy Giselle Del Real and Deputy Carrie Robles. Sources tell Eyewitness News both women reported directly to Sheriff Villanueva as part of his executive projects team. As part of their duties, both deputies helped process applications for CCWs permits to carry concealed weapons. Sheriff Villanueva has been a staunch supporter of making it easier to carry concealed weapons with a permit. Sheriff Alex Villanueva has launched the CCW unit to process concealed carry permits. You're probably looking something in the neighborhood of, of 50 million, or not 50 million, 50,000 CCW uh, permits in L.A. County for a population of 10 million. Search warrants were served Thursday at the homes of Del Real and Robles. In a statement, the Sheriff's Department said, while disappointed at the alleged conduct this investigation uncovered involving department personnel, Sheriff Alex Villanueva will not tolerate employee misconduct and expects all members of the department to hold themselves to the highest level of... They're going to get off. Some way, somehow, they're still going to keep their jobs. ...ethical and professional conduct. Carrie Robles is so close with the Villanueva family, she refers to Villanueva's wife, Vivian, as her mom. Under Sheriff Tim Murakami... His wife, Vivian, also handles some of the paperwork in that department. His wife. Hmm. ...posted this video of Robles and Vivian Villanueva dancing together at a party on his Instagram. has been in the news before in 2017 while she was patrol training Robles was responding to a shots fired call when she ran a red light without turning on her siren and caused a chain collision crash two boys were killed several others injured the DA declined to file criminal charges against Robles but the county paid more than 22 million dollars 
See how they stick together? She should be in jail, under the jail for what she did. But she's still walking. ...to settle the lawsuits. Giselle Del Real was married to ex-LASD Sergeant Eric Gonzalez when he was sentenced to eight years in prison back in 2017 for his role in the beating and framing of Gabriel Carrillo, a man who was visiting a relative in jail. Del Real and Gonzalez have since divorced. We tried to speak with the owner of this gun shop when he was here, but he wouldn't talk. We also reached out to Del Real and Robles, but they did not respond to our request for interviews. And hello, I'm Mark Brown. I tell you, man, she committed murder. She committed murder. They're gonna get off. Ain't no way she's gonna go to jail. There's another story. I just can't get over the simp, you know. <clears throat> Sorry. I can't get over the low down, underhanded crap that went on in this in this situation. Let's get into this story. Alameda County Sheriff's deputy was formally charged today with two counts of murder for allegedly killing a married couple in Dublin. Our crime reporter Henry Lee was in court today and joins us now with the new information in this case. Henry. Well, Heather, the gunshots were heard on a 911 call made by the husband as he was killed. And now the deputy's been charged with special circumstances murder. That means he could face life in prison without parole if he's convicted. Alameda County Sheriff's Deputy Devin Williams Jr., now a criminal defendant charged with two counts of murder and the shooting deaths of a married couple in Dublin. A crime even more shocking because the alleged 24-year-old gunman had a promising future. He's a bright, caring, articulate individual. And it's a tragedy. Authorities say Williams shot and killed 57-year-old Benison Tran and his wife of two decades, Maria Tran, at the couple's home in Dublin. Both were shot in the head and neck. Investigators say Williams had been involved in a romantic relationship with Maria Tran, who was a nurse. Sources tell me the killings may have resulted from jealousy connected to a love triangle. I've learned Benison Tran, a retired civil engineer for the city of Santa Clara, called 911 to report an intruder at their home at 1245 Wednesday morning. Six gunshots could be heard on the 911 call, and he dropped the phone. Authorities say Williams took off in his car. When Dublin police arrived and asked who did it, a witness said, Devin, and he's a cop. Six shell casings were found at the crime scene. Police say the 9mm ammunition matches those used by the sheriff's office. On Friday, the Alameda County DA charged the deputy with two counts of murder and special circumstances of multiple murder and murder to avoid arrest, but his arraignment was delayed. Relatives and friends of the deputy declined to comment afterward. A cousin tells me 42-year-old Maria Tran was kind-hearted, loving, and always went above and beyond as a frontline nurse during the COVID pandemic. I expect that the, uh, the defense will reveal itself as the case proceeds. Defense attorney Jesse Garcia would not comment on the evidence. It's profoundly tragic what happened. Nothing that we do or say in this courtroom is going to change the lives of the family of the victims. Deputy Williams has been served with a notice of termination. He's being held without bail at Santa Rita Jail in Dublin, where he had worked an overtime shift just hours before the killing. 
So the fact of the matter is Everybody's life is ruined Because of A wife that wanted to be a 304 And A man that was simping Like he never fell in love before <clears throat> Plus This deputy Failed a What was it A probationary period And he still got the job What's up with that Okay It was also said in reports That she lied about being a single mother Okay The wife lied about being a single mother Found out And uh He ended up doing this simpage Being a simp If the wife hadn't been cheating This would have never have happened This would have never have happened Fortunately this man Lost control of his emotions Threw away his future And a 13 year old boy Is left to Navigate through this world By himself Okay That's the little boy that belongs to Maria Tran who is the cheater And The father Sad Sad state of affairs Victim blaming No Actions have consequences And that's just the fact If she hadn't been cheating This would have never have happened That's it Let's go into an interesting article here Here we go Here we go Let's see this article right here Women are Disproportionately hurting our country By Dennis Prager Let's check it out Let's let's check this uh, Interesting article out Hmm Let's see Sad man But you know Keep thinking about that story Oh well Time to get back into this. Focus, 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 focus. All right. Let's get into it. When I was in college, I read a book by George Glider, one of the wisest thinkers of the last half century titled Naked Nomads, which had a deep impact on me. It was about single men and all the pathologies associated with them. For example, Gilder drove home at drove home the point that the biggest factor concerning violent crime was that it is overwhelmingly committed by single men. While there was no danger, I would say no chance that I would commit a violent crime, though I was at the time single. This fact, along with others, in the book made me a lifelong advocate for marriage. I also came to realize that raising good men was the most important thing society could do. If it doesn't, the male propensity for physical aggression and predatory sexual behavior will wreak havoc. Therefore, raising boys to control their natures is fundamentally the best way for society to avoid chaos. Over the course of a lifetime, however, I have come to realize that while society was right about males, it was wrong about females. Whether spoken or unspoken, most people thought that girls just didn't need to be raised to control their natures nearly as much as boys did. But they do. It's true that females are not inclined to violence or predatory sexual behavior as men, 
but this hardly means that girls and women don't have to learn to control their natures. On the contrary, as I have been telling parents for many years now, they need to teach their daughters to control their natures just as much as they teach their sons to do so. Specifically, girls have to learn to control their emotions, just as the male sex drive and violent impulses can overwhelm their conscience and their ability to think and act rationally. Emotions can do the same thing in girls and women, overwhelm their conscience and their ability to think and act rationally. However, it should be obvious that at least two generations of parents, especially among the well-educated, did not teach many of their daughters to control their emotions and think rationally. The result is that women are disproportionately active in doing damage to our society. The most obvious example is education. American schools teach less and indoctrinate more than ever. Big city, public, and most private schools are damaging young Americans to an extent and in ways no one imagined just a few years ago. Young children are prematurely sexualized. They are, for example, exposed to drag queen story hour in class and in local libraries from the age of five. These feature a man dressed as a woman reading and dressing for them. And who is facilitating all of this? In virtually every case, a woman. 92% of kindergarten teachers are women. 75% of all teachers are women. And 85% of librarians are women. And there are teaching young people to despise their country. The creator of the poisonous 1619 project is a woman. To feel guilty about their white privilege or to think of themselves as victims if they are black. Even worse, they're indoctrinating them in non-binary thinking regarding sex and gender. As City Journal reports, Los Angeles Unified School District has adopted a radical gender theory curriculum encouraging teachers to work toward the breakdown of the gender binary to experiment with gender pronouns such as they, z, and tree, and to adopt trans-affirming programming to make their classrooms queer all school year. The same is happening in school districts around the country. These ideas originated in university gender studies and women's studies departments. Nearly all of those professors are female. Teachers and their unions did create damage to young people during the uh, era, I'll say that. They demanded, they demanded because of the hypochondria and the apparent inability to apply reason to the uh, era that schools be closed for nearly two years. Teachers unions in big cities threatened to go on strike if schools opened. In general, teacher unions are just radical arms of the Democratic Party and progressive movement. They are overwhelmingly composed of women members and women leaders. The head of the National Education Association is a woman, as the heads of the Los Angeles, Chicago, and New York City teachers unions. Women physicians and healthcare workers are at the vanguard of ruining young people's lives at children's hospitals that pushing, giving young people puberty blocking hormones and opposite gender hormones performing hysterectomies and mastectomies on healthy girls who say they are boys and chemically or physically castrating healthy boys to say they are girls. Women are at the vanguard of perverting the medical profession by advocating the teaching of woke ideologies in medical schools, placing these ideologies on an equal footing with medical education. Last week, an organization called Physicians for Reproductive Health published an open letter to the nation's reporters and news editors demanding the censor of anti-abortion activists 
we are asking for a commitment from the community of media outlets reporting on abortion to keep in mind the true danger that you present with interviewing anti-abortion extremists. You are spreading the opportunity. I'm sorry, you're giving the opportunity for dangerous lies to spread. As regards the demand that news outlets are pro-life individuals and groups, the open letter was signed by more than 600 medical doctors and other healthcare professionals. Nearly every signature was a woman and all four other listed leaders of the physicians for reproductive health are women. Women clergy have been the vanguard of pushing Christianity and Judaism to the left, leaving mainstream churches and synagogues increasingly empty. Of course, the increasing feminized male clergy go along with their female colleagues. You know, the beta male clergy. And women are disproportionately supportive of cancel culture, the greatest threat to free speech in American history. It should go without saying, but it's undoubtedly necessary to note that there are many women doing great, even heroic things for our society, and that many men are working to wreck it. But for those who associate women with instinctively protecting children or with being supportive of a traditionally religious life, this era in American history has provided something of a shock. Well, I'll have to say that, yeah, yeah, um, it's pretty much true. All right, it's pretty much true that there really are, there really is an agenda, and it's being head by women who think this is perfectly okay. Meanwhile, you're destroying lives in the process, especially the lives of children. Mr. Prager is right. That's all I can say. He is right. Hit the nail right on the head. Nothing more I can say about that. True Colors Brewery um, is ceasing operations as we speak. All right. Let's see something here.
Okay, it's not showing right now. Go on to the next story. So new details emerge with the um, the woman, the nurse, the Texas nurse, who uh, basically, you know, was involved in that fiery car crash that killed a couple and an unborn infant. So we'll talk about that one right now. Okay. talk about that one right now okay new deal to, new details emerge in the case of a nurse facing six counts of murder for a fiery crash that killed an unborn baby infant all right so um new details have emerged in the case of the registered nurse facing 90 years behind bars for a fiery crash last month in los angeles that killed six people <clears throat> including an unborn baby boy and 11 month old child nicole linton who's been charged with six counts, all right? Six counts of um, murder and five counts of gross vehicular manslaughter. Connection to the multi-vehicle wreck was driving a stunning 135, 30 miles per hour for at least five seconds before the incident, court documents claim. Further analysis reveals that her speed at impact was in fact 130 miles per hour and that she floored the gas pedal for at least five seconds leading into the crash, going from 122 miles per hour to 130 miles per hour, a court filing obtained by the Los Angeles Times. The prosecution dismissed the defense's claim that Linton was unconscious during the crash, stating that the registered nurse had complete control over the steering wheel, maintaining the tilt of the steering wheel to keep her car traveling directly toward the crowded intersection. This NASCAR-worthy performance flies in the face of the notion that she was unconscious or incapacitated, the filing added. Litton allegedly zoomed down La Brea Avenue at 90 miles per hour in her Mercedes-Benz, blasting through a red light as dozens of cars crossed Slauson Avenue. Video footage shows the vehicle T-boning a black sedan and starting a raging fire by a nearby gas station. Last week, a court filing argued that the 37-year-old was dealing with a frightening mental health crisis at the time of the incident and may have even lost consciousness, according to the New York Post. Mental capacitation, incapacitation and unconsciousness are, of course, completely defenses to crimes under California law, the nurse's defense team said. Linton, who was also allegedly fully naked while on FaceTime call with her sister during her lunch break <clears throat> on August 4th, the day of the crash, court filings say. The deadly crash took the lives of six people, including pregnant mother Ashley Ryan, her 11-month-old son, Alonzo Quintero, and her boyfriend, Reynold Lester, who were all on their way to a prenatal checkup. The unborn child was eight and a half months along and was said to be named Armani Lester. The other two victims were friends Nathisa Lewis, 42, and Lynette Noble, 38. The injuries to Lewis's body were so severe that she could reportedly only be identified by DNA. 
Her body was so mangled that it only could be identified by DNA. She has to pay for what she did, Lewis's boyfriend Clarence Mozart Hamlin said of Linton. She can't get away with this. And I agree. I agree. She did this intentional. Just because you you have mental illness does not mean that you are not um, capable of committing horrible acts. And that is what she did. That is what she did. And she has to pay for it. She definitely has to pay for it. There is no... Um, there's no other way around it. She must pay for what she did and she has to face justice. No ifs, no ands, no buts. What she did was horrendous. Okay. And it's sad, you know, it, it, it really is. And I hope those fam- those families get justice. I really do. Because what he did was wrong. It was monstrous and it was wrong. So, that's all I got for now, and um, that's about it. I'll talk to you guys later. Feel free to like, share, comment, and subscribe. Anything you want to know about this channel is in the description box. Later.